Imagine knowing exactly what your students are learning and exactly which steps you need to take next. Join us in Down With The Reading Quiz to craft meaningful and productive formative assessments that move away from gotcha moments of basic recall and toward assessing what your students actually can do. In this 30-minute free masterclass, we'll share three powerful assessment keys that work for any novel at any time of the year. Head to shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to sign up, and we'll also send you a free workbook to keep track of all your notes. Once again, that's shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to nail formative assessments forever. Well, hello, and welcome back to Brave New Teaching, and welcome to our second in our spring cleaning series. Last week, we were talking about spring cleaning our instructional practices and strategies. We talked about what we're going to purge. We talked about what we are going to give new life to. Today, we're talking about texts and topics. Hi, Amanda. Hello, Marie. Hello, everyone listening. So happy to have you here today. Yes, we are. We talked last week, we got talking about spring in general, and it made me really excited to like spring clean, not just my classroom and my like instruction and my text and like all of that, but also like my house. I am very excited to spring clean my garage. What are you going to spring clean physically at your own home, Amanda? Why? First. Why do you have to expose me like this to the world? Because you like to hold on to everything. And I want you to start making a plan for what you're going to purge. You're on. We are live on the air. We are are live on the air. And you know what? I don't think that I am as bad as I used to be. I do like, I I don't have any problems with purging. My, My problems are why I have a life coach and therapy. My, my problem is perfectionism, right? So my problem is I don't want to start the task of spring cleaning unless I know I can finish it completely and totally and perfectly. And since I know that that's impossible, I don't ever start. Sure. So, right. This is, and this is the part of like my new ish life and being an entrepreneur. It's very hard for me to do a little bit of cleaning, a little bit of curriculum writing, a little bit of parenting, and then a little bit of laundry. Like, I feel like if I'm going to spring clean, I need to not write a blog post, go on Instagram, record a podcast. I feel like I can't work. I can just either be working or doing all the things in my house. I I very much still struggle to do. You are so, so far from alone. It's so hard for my head. Like, I I just, I can't like, and I try, like, I'll do like, two hours of spring cleaning in my room or just purging stuff out of my room. But then I don't feel like I accomplish anything. Well, and if you're anything like me, you've, you've purged things into the hallway. Uh, correct. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's just like bags of giveaway clothes chilling in my hallway. Uh And the kids are like, what's this? Yeah. (laughs) I don't feel like I need to keep it. I'm definitely not a hoarder. I have no desire to keep everything. It's just like, yeah, the process of getting the task done is so overwhelming to me. It's so stupid and it's embarrassing, but. But it's not, it's not because, okay. And I think part of this comes from, you're really hard on yourself. And I just need you to know that like, even though I talk about how I, (laughs) this is a safe space, but like, 
even though, like, I feel like it sounds like I'm really good at it. I need my mom to help me, like, go through half of the stuff in my house. Like, I can't do it myself. I could do it to your house. I could yeah. come in and help you. Yeah. You could walk me around on on Zoom and I could be like, Amanda, you're allowed to keep five things from that basket. Go. And then, like, that would make it easier for you, right? Like, yeah. but there's something about when we're so connected to things and this completely completely connects to what we're talking about today for our teaching because we're talking about spring cleaning texts and topics. And there's mm-hmm. something, especially about being an English teacher, but I would just say about being a teacher, period. You get so connected often to the things that we are teaching, the, the books, the materials, the topics. And a lot of times it's because we've designed curriculum about around something that we are uber passionate about. And like that makes us dynamic instructors but it doesn't always serve our students well for the long haul or for like certain times of year or for what like so this like spring cleaning moment is very much to make sure that what you are doing is serving you the best it could be. Yeah, did you like that segue? That was beautiful. I feel I I'm think so inspired you. by you. Well, you're the one who inspired all of that. So let's oh just keep God. in let's keep um let's go ahead and keep complimenting ourselves but first (laughs) let's cue the music you're listening to brave new teaching and we are so much more than a podcast we give teachers the inspiration support and tools to challenge the status quo i'm amanda and i'm a former english teacher from illinois and I'm Marie, and I'm a teacher from Southern California. Join us at bravenewteaching.com to find out more about our courses, festivals, and get every episode's show notes. We're so glad you're here. Enjoy the show. Okay, Amanda, I asked you this last week, and you were not expecting it. And this week, I told you to prepare. First step in spring cleaning is to uh, to gut some things. It's to purge. It's to get rid of stuff. So when we're talking about texts and topics and we are talking about what is tried and true that we can bring back, what is tried and true or something that we just haven't done in a while that we could breathe new life into to get there, we have to throw some stuff out. So what are we, what are we purging when it comes to texts and topics? Yeah. When it comes to texts and topics, I think, ugh, I'm trying to think about how to explain this without sounding like I've, I, oh, okay. I'm just gonna say it. <laughs> Long, heavy novels. Sure. This time of year, I have tried. I tried teaching the book thief in May, and I don't know if that's ringing a bell for anybody, but it's like, yikes! Woof. It is woof. But the whole reason I was hesitating earlier is because I also said something about this with the winter, like long, heavy books in the winter when we can't go outside. Okay. So here's, here's the real like big picture is get rid of what doesn't work. Period. Yes. yes. Um, you know, you might be able to do long, heavy texts in the spring for sure. Like maybe that is totally, it, it certainly depends on the text, but I think to me that I really need to evaluate the energy level of the room, and then also the amount of interruptions that are coming. I feel like springtime is the most interrupted time of my year. And I think that this also goes to show what we're going to talk a lot about today is that most of my year, like I do heavy reading in the fall. And in the spring, I'm typically doing lighter reading and more writing Mm -hmm. uh, in the spring. So 
purging for me is like, you know, Grapes of Wrath is out of here. You know, Book Thief is out of here. Anything that's thick and long, it's, I don't know. I think it's got to go for the spring. It's just too hard to keep the momentum going when you keep getting interrupted. Sure. And it takes a certain kid or a certain group of kids to like really get so into it that they're engaged and they're going to push through. And if they're not engaged and they're not going to push through, we, this is like our, our, a lot of stuff for us to do to get ready for the end of the year, to get ready for the next year. Like there's a lot more per, like a uh, professional responsibility that starts happening a lot. Got to get that IEP meeting done before the end of the year. Got to get all of these things. And so you, you want to make sure that what you're doing, you can give the adequate amount of attention to and something that is long and heavy and you're trudging through. My purge is similar. My purge is anything that students need a lot of me in order to access it. Mm. So like we can do long stuff. We can do heavy stuff so long as they can access the content without my handholding. Totally. I'll scaffold. I'll be there. Absolutely. But like it needs to be the like the heavy lifting of like helping. So even like something like Fahrenheit. Fahrenheit is not a particularly long text, but it it can be dry. And my students and my experience need me to help them piece together some of the metaphor and some of the like. And once and once we're there, they can start to do it themselves. But like the large percentage of my students need me a lot in that. And so that's not going to be happening in this time of year because I also want them to feel a sense of freedom and a sense of, I don't know what I'm trying to say, like, like accomplishment and that they can do things on their own. Yes. And And they don't need me. Yeah. As they should, because this is the time of year. I know it's different for you on a quarter system, but for those of us who have our students all year long, this is where that gradual release of responsibility should be. We should be uh, watching our students, not watching, but it, giving them opportunities to demonstrate even more yeah. skills than at the beginning of the year. So I think that that's kind of where I'm at in terms of purging. Training wheels are up, up, up mm-hmm. and off. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if we're purging the heavy stuff, what are we uh what are what are we infusing with? What are we doing? My perfect solution is is Shakespeare. It is the perfect solution because listen, I don't need to sell you on this, Marie, and I don't no. think anyone on the podcast will be shy about this, but Shakespeare to me is the perfect solution for stepping up the challenge level, right? Shakespeare is hard. The mm-hmm. metaphors are hard, the reading is hard. However, it's a play. The, yeah. Having a play in the spring is the perfect way to negotiate around all those awkward turns and, you know, spring breaks and ski breaks and whatever else is going on in the world. Testing, you can do an act in a concentrated amount of time and get really deep, have awesome conversations, and then like step back and not really lose a beat when you hop back into act two, whenever that might be. So I don't know. For me, Shakespeare gives you all that, like, dare I say, rigor. I know that that's a trigger word for some people, but it's definitely like a challenging. That's what it is. Yeah, it is. It's challenging at the most appropriate level, but the flexibility of the format is what I'm like all about for spring is flexibility in the format. So I also put on my list, Mango Street, novels in verse, doing a lit circle unit with novels in verse and poetry. All of these types of units can give you the rigor, the depth and the challenge that we need to give them at the end of the year 
when they're at their, you know, they're at their academic strongest, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, but without the having to sustain these super long units through really dense texts. So like when you're looking, okay, let's get, let's dive a little bit before I start going into mine, let's dive a little bit more into like, if you are using the house on mango street, what are you doing that is different from, well, it's pretty short anyways, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But like, how are you using that novel differently or in a way that is refreshing? Like you've been doing novel units, right? Maybe you did a choice one, you've done all class, you've done the heavy stuff, and now you're back in an all class novel unit. How is this one different? I already know the answer, but I just want like. I don't know how different it is other than than the breakup is through vignettes rather than right. through chapters. And I think that that allows us to read at a faster pace, which in my world is awesome because I don't care about the tiny little detail level, plot level, comprehension level stuff as much as it applies to that essential question. So what that kind of a unit gives me is more space for supplementals, more space for skill building. When we're looking at metaphor, we're looking at symbolism, it gives me more of that room for kids to really practice on their own. Okay, so what's going on with the red balloon? Right. Like I want, I want that like thinking territory, like the, like the hands-on wrestling with it in the close reading territory. I like to have more time to dedicate to that rather than the time dedicated to getting through plot kinds of things that I, that, I don't know what you were going at, but that, that's well, what I would say. It's uh, yes. I was going at like the vignettes and looking at, you could even like, let's say you didn't get all the way through. Like, let's say, I don't know, a global pandemic occurs in the spring. Hmm. Who's ever heard of that? And you don't get all the way through. Like you've at least got these little, it's the, it's the same idea as like a play, right? Like it's the same, yes. everything's chunked up. Yeah. We still want to see the end of the story, but if we don't, we've got some sort of a bookend on it. It is different from chapters because they are full and complete stories within a larger overarching story. Yes. Yes. I agree. I love that. And the, the same thing with the novels in verse, I feel like a novel in verse is almost mango street almost could just be in that unit too. It gives you that flexibility. You know, we were talking earlier since we've been practicing all year long, right? Close reading and how to look at author's craft, how to have those hard conversations about why this particular technique is being used at this moment. I do want to hand over more of that to students, but that also means that there's, I need to have more time because even though they're definitely practiced all year long, a lot of that has been led by me. So this Mm -hmm. is going to be the first couple of times, right? That they're really doing a lot of that on their own. And so I want to make sure that I have space and time for them to explore that, get things wrong, go the wrong direction. And then, you know, we all kind of head back, you know, in the other way it requires time. Like we need actual minutes for them to do that. Right. They need to be able to circle back and have that remediation because that's kind of the point, right? Yeah. And that's what you, when you have a lot of book to read, you, I think that a lot of the time is usually spent there on pages. Yeah. 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 Well, and that kind of connects with where I'm saying out with the, it takes me to help you understand it. And in with the, you can access this on your own. So now let's start 
diving into it and like you you do more of the leading you being the students i mean sometimes it means that it's happening in choice units which i absolutely adore we know that i am a big big fan of choice units but really in those choice units a lot of those are written specifically for a young adult audience those are ya novels they are the novels that some of our how do we say snobbier (laughs) colleagues are like where is the literary merit? And I'm like, the literary merit is in that it's a complex story. It's just not written at a very high lexile. That's what it is. Yes, there's still literary merit. It's just not written for college students. It's written for younger audiences, young adults. And so actually this spring, I'm going to be teaching an all-class unit on perspective. I think I talked about this in an earlier episode, using Aristotle and Dante Discover the Secrets of the Universe. It is a beautifully poetic novel. Yes, I talked about it in our reading update um, because I was rereading it again. It's a beautifully poetic novel and it's the story is accessible. It's not like students of varied levels are going to be able to access this story and the depths of the characters. There's something there for everyone on every skill level, right, to dive into, but they don't need me to understand it they can do it. They need me to ask them the questions to grapple with what they can already understand on their own. And that's right. That's what I want out of that. I love plays. I love Shakespeare. We all know that. So we're going to leave that where it is because Amanda and I, there's a reason that our Shakespeare festivals and workshops come out in the spring. (laughs) It's just, it's a thing for us. And I have a feeling it's the same for many of you. Um, But I also like to bring in shorter plays even still to like really dive into that idea that a whole complete story can happen in a shorter chunk of time, like a one act play. Love that. Is brilliant. Children's plays are fantastic. Like I have this huge tome of children's plays that's from, I don't even think it's from graduate school. I think it's from my undergrad. I took like a children's theater class. And a lot of the plays in there are fables that are made into children's plays. And so we can use those as mentor texts and models. And then students can write their own looking at short stories and transferring that into play, right? So like there can be a lot of like intergenre work. One of my favorites to work on is The True Story of the Three Little Pigs, which is a children's book that has been adapted into like a reader's theater. And you can get it for free. In fact, it's like published all over like the internet as like free versions of that play. But to like teach concepts or to review concepts like perspective and then maybe have students rewrite a section of a story that we've already read and talked about in class as a play or something like that, reader's theater, that sort of a thing. It's a really great way to, again, spring cleaning, take the stuff we've already done and breathe new life into it. There you go. I like to use children's books all over the place. Next week, we're going to talk about like activities, like specific to curriculum and activities. Um, And I will tell you about an activity that I will be doing with children's books, a children's literature read-a-thon, but children's books, just using them conceptually to just kind of like breathe life into whatever it is that you're talking about in class is something that takes 15 minutes to read and talk about the book. And then it's a new way and not me standing up there with a slide deck or another Ted talk or another. Yeah. And if you have a library card, have we told you about Amanda's library card? (laughs) Not from Ohio. You can check out so many. There are so many children's books. It's incredible to me, like how elementary school teachers can even like consume enough 
I know. Like, I mean, I feel that way about our literature for, you know, YA and adult literature, but like, there are so many incredible children's books. I know. They're so cool. Yes. So that's exciting. Yes, it is. It, it it really is. And it's fun. And I like all the new ones that always come out and they're so pretty. And you get to look at all the pictures. And stu- our it. big kids like looking at all the pictures. It's fun. Well, and I think this is a good time to remind everyone. We've talked about this before in other episodes. But, you know, when we talk about skills and that that's really the focus of our year, right? And Maria had mentioned kind of the that attitude about, you know, literary merit and things like this. You know, we're we're so far past that right now in this conversation because what we care about is watching students' skills grow. Right. And choosing the vehicles along the way that are going to be the most effective in helping those skills develop. And yes, I, you know me, I am a snob. I can't read chick lit for fun and just have a good time without wishing that the old man would just die already. Like I get, I hear myself, (laughs) but at the same time, like I'm also a teacher of people that are not me. And I think that, you know, springtime, I, I really do kind of try to take inventory of you know, skill-wise, where are we? What do we need to refine, hone in on, revisit? Where are we still struggling? And how can I make space for the students to actually do work? And I think that that means taking the texts a little bit more off-center, even more off-center, and just really carefully choosing what we want to use in order to give students the opportunity to show their skills growing. Yeah. I Love it. I'm getting excited for all the children's books I'm going to bring into my class. All right, friends, we are coming to the end of this little moment of spring cleaning. If you are thinking of some texts and topics that you're like, I could purge this and refresh with this, Amanda has mentioned it in our last couple of episodes. But if you head to bravenewteaching.com, we have a little button where you can leave us a voicemail. And we can play your voicemail here on the podcast. And we can help bring your ideas to life for the rest of our Brave New Teaching community and share the wealth. Yes. We like and it. And we want to hear from you. We it's This is a community and we love hearing directly from your classrooms what's going on and what's helping you and what your questions are. Just, just jump right. Don't be shy. Don't yes. be shy. Don't be shy. Come on in. The water's fine. <laughs> If you are not a member of Happy Hour, we would love to have you as well. This month, we are talking all about jigsaws and the best practices for using jigsaws. Talk about spring cleaning. We talked about this a little bit last week, too. Uh, Yeah. Next week, we're diving into spring cleaning our curriculum and activities, and we have some good ones for you. And that one, speaking of Happy Hour, is going to be an extended episode for our Happy Hour members. We can't not wait for you to hear it. So it's time for us to go. You didn't think that was going to go that long, did you? But it did. No, but it finally ended. It did. It finally ended. And so has this. (laughs) And so has this episode. Friends, have a wonderful week at school. Thank you so much for joining us. And we will see you next time. Bye. Thanks again for listening to Brave New Teaching. We'd love to keep the conversation going over on Instagram. And while you're there, check out the links in our bio for the most up-to-date events going on in the Brave New Teaching community. Thanks for being here and have a great week at school. 